have been introduced to Landon Galloway. He's been with us uh, several times. And every time he comes, he shares a revelation out of the Word of God that I've never seen before. Uh, Landon has multiple degrees uh, in, in uh, Greek and Hebrew and uh, ministry studies, and I'm probably messing all that up, but uh, I'm going to make him sound even better maybe than he even is. He's got, he has spent time uh, diving in and learning how to find those revelations in the Word of God. And I'm telling you, we'll teach on parables and bring out things that, I, that I'm still feasting on from, from the last time that I heard him speak. Uh, he is also the director of Destiny Leadership Institute, which is a, a, a ministry that we have partnered with where you can study, you can get accredited, you can take accredited courses while also serving in the local church. So instead of going off somewhere, you can do it right here. We have students that are right here with us. Uh, this is our first year, so we've got a whole crew that just completed and, and several that are starting back into their second year. He's going to tell you a little bit about that. Chris and I have known Landon for a long time. I've known Landon since he was two or three years old, and he would say to us, I want a dot dog and a dot dope. That's what he would say. That's what he wanted to eat all the time, a hot dog and a Diet Coke. He's learned to speak a little bit better than that, but he's just still as cute as ever. Would you just give Landon Galloway a great big hand this morning? Come on, y'all. I love you. The part he doesn't tell you about that story is that he's known me since I was two or three, and I actually I weighed then about the same that I weigh now, <laughs> approximately. I was huge. Uh, man, I'm, I'm so honored to be at the Hills. Uh, I love Pastor John and Pastor Kristen and, and uh, see Brian and Ashley. It's a whole lot of history in this room, known all of them for a very long time. And so I love just to worship with family. And uh, there's nothing like it, and so proud of what's, what's happening here in Nashville. As uh, Pastor John mentioned, I am the director of Destiny Leadership Institute. Uh, we are a two-year program that helps people learn the Bible, learn uh, basic theology, and uh, develop a Christian worldview, all while they're serving in their local church. So just real quickly, a little bit about my background. I, did, I went to Oral Roberts University, and I got a couple master's degrees there. And I'm actually enrolled in a Ph.D. program at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City. Uh, So I went to a very charismatic Pentecostal seminary for my master's. I'm at a Baptist school for my Ph.D. I think I'll come out Methodist. I'm not sure how the I'm not sure how that all works out, but I think that's I think that's the way that that'll mix up. But one thing I found is I've developed a passion for God's word, a passion for learning. I believe that we know God through His word. But that's not accessible to everybody because of the cost. Uh, going to Bible college, to university, to seminary is very, very expensive. I know the Bible says that we should not hate anyone, but I think I hate this lady named Sally Mae. She's terrible. I hate her so much. Um, because I took out a lot of students. I don't know if this is even a real person. If so, I need to get repentance, but uh, uh, forgiveness. Um, but... To get the formal education requires a lot of time, a lot of energy, and a lot of money. And so our vision is, what if we bring the best of that world and partner with strong local churches like the Hills, where you can learn the Bible, theology, and ministry principles online in a a very innovative online environment while you're serving and getting hands-on experience here in your local church? That sounds like a pretty good deal. And you can earn up to 36 hours of college credit towards a degree. Tim Wilson, where's Tim? 
Uh, I saw him earlier. He's, he's, he's out there now with, with the kids. Uh, Tim is close to finishing his bachelor's degree by doing DLI and taking additional courses through, through Ecclesia College, all while serving in the kids' ministry at the Hills. Uh, that's, how cool is that? How cool is that? And it'll never cost you more than $2,000 total out of your own pocket. Well, I mean, we could have an altar call right there. I mean, if, you've, if you guys, I mean, that's, that's some powerful stuff. So here, I've got some information in the, in the foyer. I'll be out between services, and then I'll be back at All In tonight. If you have any questions about how you can get started, our next semester starts September the 5th. Uh, and I'd love just to answer some questions for you and I'll let you know how we can uh, get you started this semester. And I think we had seven last year. I think we can, I mean, I think we can do at least 14 this year, right? Little little momentum. Uh, so let's, let's talk after service. I'll be right out in the foyer. Uh, we're going to Psalm chapter 1 for the message today. Psalm chapter 1. But before we do that, I want to just challenge you for a second to to close your eyes just for a moment. Is that okay? I'm not going to do anything weird. I hope nobody else says anything weird, but I don't know you all. I don't know how. I'm not going to do anything weird, though. I want you to close your eyes for just a moment, and and I want you to think about Paul. and, And Paul, who gave his life for the ministry of the church, Paul has found himself in a prison cell. Think about what you think about with a, with a prison cell. And because he's in prison, because he's in prison, he's not able to do the work of ministry. And there's some churches in this area called Ephesus, and he really wanted to go preach there. But now he's in chains. He doesn't know if he's going to live or die. He doesn't know how long he's going to be there. He's not eating well. He's not sleeping well. And he opens... A scroll, and because he cannot be there physically, he he writes these words. And I intentionally did not give these to be put on the screen because I, I want you just to hear them, not see them, not not interpret them, just to hear these words. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus, who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you. And peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing, even as He chose us from the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption as sons through. Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, with which he has blessed us and lavished on us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to to the purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in himself, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, an inheritance having been predestined, having been predestined according to the purpose of God, of the one who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in him might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, 
the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is a guarantee of our inheritance until the day when we shall acquire it to the praise of his glory. I want you to open your eyes. And what just happened in that moment is God's word, not preached, not taught, not explained, not exclaimed, no music accompanying it, no sound, no lights, nothing. Just God's word shifted the atmosphere in this place. Just God's word quoted, recited, nothing special, nothing added, nothing else. Just God's word and it changed us for just a moment. Nothing else has to be said. Nothing else has to be proclaimed. Just God's word is enough. I believe that the most essential thing, or one of the most essential things to the Christian faith, is the word of God. The word of God. I've been convicted lately that I don't memorize enough scripture, so I started working on Ephesians last Monday. (laughs) Because I believe that you don't need me to preach God's word if I can't just say what God's word actually says. Psalm chapter 1, I want to read this real quickly. Blessed is the man. I could probably quote it too, but then I would get mixed up. Who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous." but the way of the wicked will perish. Starts out by saying, blessed is the man. The Hebrew word for blessed is the word esher, which simply means happy. Happy will be the one. How many of you want to be happy? How many of you are happy that you come to a church that's happy? (laughs) I've been to church services before where like, they just were so emphatic that like life was miserable and we just need to wait for Jesus to come back. And by the end of the service, I agreed with them. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. I cannot take this any longer. Please return, God. Sometimes we don't associate happiness with Christianity. It's all about you just enduring this long, arduous toil of life. And if we can just endure until the end and and suffer through, and then one day heaven will be there. But the Bible expects us to have joy and find happiness here and now. Now, unfortunately, it's not always the happiness that we accompany or that we associate with the world's identification of happiness, but God wants us to be blessed. He wants us to be happy. I heard a story once, and a man said it like this. He said that happiness is like a cat. The more you pursue it and want it, the more it runs and hides under the couch. But then, whenever you sit down and mind your own business, it will soon find itself cuddled up under your feet. (laughs) That's how happiness is. The more that we search for it, the more that we look for it, the more that we make it the goal of our life to be happy, the harder it is to be happy. But the moment that we say, you know what, I'm going to seek 
God first and his righteousness, then that's just one of those things that gets added on to us. What if happiness is not an end in itself, but it's just associated with a life in pursuit of God? Blessed is the man. You can be blessed in this life. You can be happy in this life. And the psalmist explains how. He says, "By here's what you don't need to do. How many of you know there are some habits, there are some behaviors, there are some actions, there are some thoughts in life that are not good for your happiness? That are not good to live the blessed life? And the first thing he says is, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. And what's being referred to here is the mindset of the ungodly. That you will not be happy if you think like people outside of the church and outside of God's people think. Can we just get it real for a moment? You will not be a blessed person if you get your views of human sexuality from pop culture. You will not be a blessed, happy person if you get your ideas about race from the cable news networks. You will not be a happy, blessed person if you get your ideas of money from the American materialistic mindset. If you take the counsel of ungodly people, you will not be blessed. You guys remember this king named Solomon, and he had a son named Rehoboam. And Solomon dies, and he's leaving his son an incredible kingdom. Rehoboam, as far as the eye can see, everything belongs to you. A a successful, prosperous, wealthy, victorious kingdom. And Rehoboam becomes king. And so... He takes counsel on what his first step should be. And he talks to the old guys that were friends with his father. And the old guys said, look, if you want people to respect you, you need to love them and honor them. You need to say that you're going to take care of them and that you're going to look after them. And if you do that, they will be faithful and they will serve you all of their lives and you can expand on your father's kingdom. And then he said, okay, I'll I'll take your opinion. But then he took the counsel of his peers, of the young guys. And they said, you need to tell them that my dad whipped you with whips, but I'm going to whip you with scorpions. That you thought that my dad's yoke on you was strong, but my little pinky will be stronger than my father's entire reign. The kingdom of Israel that God promised to David that had been established over years and years of hard work was broken because one man followed the counsel of the ungodly. Because he believed the wrong things. Because he listened to the advice of those in the world. Then it goes on to say, not only is the unblessed person, the unhappy person, one who believes like the ungodly, he's one who will eventually behave like the ungodly. Nor stands in the way of sinners. In other words, he's the one who is doing the same thing, walking on the same path, going the same direction as those who are ungodly are. Because your bad beliefs will ultimately lead to bad behaviors. If you think wrong, you will eventually act wrong. That's why doctrine matters. It's not just something that boring old, you know, old men in their suits write textbooks. It's not because they're wasting their lives away. It's because they understand that if you don't believe the right things, it will ultimately lead to the wrong behaviors. Jesus said it this way. He says, narrow is the path to salvation, but broad is the pathway to destruction. That what looks like an easy road for you, what looks like will bring you fulfillment and happiness and peace and joy, is actually a road that leads you into destruction. 
It's this cycle that we're on, that we believe bad things, and then we behave in bad ways, and then eventually it says, the blessed man is not one who sits in the seat of scoffers. Whenever you sit down with someone, you're identifying with them. You guys remember the old school church? If you've got an old school church background where they had the preacher's chairs on the platform? Okay, this isn't in my notes because I don't have notes, so none of this is in my notes. But I remember my wife is from Trinidad, and I was sitting on one, of, and we were in one of those churches there, and they, were, and they had me sit, sit in the preacher seats on the platform from everybody. And, you know, people in the Caribbean, they like to dance and sing and move and clap and sway. Well, I'm, I'm up there, and they just go into like a full 45-minute praise break, Okay singing, dancing, clapping, and I have two options. I can stand here and not do any of that, which will make me look like I'm not enjoying the service and I'm not appreciative to be there. Or I can do that and show them how it is true that white people cannot dance. (laughs) Because I'm the only white guy in the room, and I'm on stage for everybody else. That's what happens when you sit in the preacher chairs where everybody can see you. And the reason why they had the preacher chairs is so that way everybody could know they could identify you as a preacher. You're not a person sitting out there. You're up here. You're something. So whenever you sit with somebody, you are identifying with them. And here's what I want you to see. There is this pattern that will unravel in your life if you do not know Jesus and do not rely on his word. And here's the pattern. You will believe the wrong things. You will behave in the wrong ways. And then you'll become the wrong type of person. (laughs) Belief, behavior, becoming. Has this ever happened to you? Has this happened to me? Have you ever woke up one morning and realized that you are a substantially worse person than you used to be? (laughs) That your habit has become a hobby, that your hobby has become a habit, that your innocent indulgence has become an enslaving excess, that something that was just kind of there that wasn't that big of a deal, but you did it long enough and it changed fundamentally the type of person that you were, that you used to just have a a little temper problem, but now you're an angry person, that that you used to just just go out with your friends and, and have a, a nice night out on the town, but, but now you are dependent on substances. That, that there's a way that the, enough of the wrong behaviors will eventually turn you into the person that you do not want to become. You started by thinking like them. Then you started acting like them. And now you are them. I always laugh because every parent I know whose child has gone astray they always say, well, my kid, he just got in with the wrong crowd. Well, then who is the wrong crowd? <laughs> like, because those parents are saying the same thing about your kid. You're like, <laughs> my kid was good until he got in with the wrong crowd. Because if you do enough behavior that's not what you want to do, then eventually you become that type of person. And this is the cycle, that this, is, this is the effect of sin, this is the effect of wrongdoing in our lives is that we, we believe the wrong things, we behave the wrong ways, and then eventually we become people that we do not want to be, that we never envisioned or dreamed that we could be. And that is one way to live. And that's the way most people live their lives, in this cycle of embarrassment and shame of over, over who they are because they're not the kind of person they thought that they would be. 
Well, then how do we get out of it? How do we reverse the cycle? It's so simple. It's God's word. Because the psalmist says this, he says, okay, the unblessed person, the unhappy person, the person whose life is not characterized by peace and joy, that person believes, behaves, and becomes like the ungodly. But the blessed man is one who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on it day and night. What if I told you that the key to happiness is simply falling back in love with God's word? What if I told you that the key to a fulfilled life characterized by peace, love, and joy is a simple delight in God's word? Delights in the law of the Lord. The word of God is not to be tolerated, it's to be celebrated. Whenever Pastor John or someone else opens up God's Word, you should be excited for a chance because in this book is the very words of life. There's a reason to delight in it. It's the way that we know God. No man has ever seen God. This is God's revelation that is available and accessible to us. And we find Him on these pages. And if you love God and want to know God, then why would you not love this Word? My wife and I, we had a date via distance living in different countries for a while before we could get married. And I used to remember the way that I would analyze the text messages and Facebook messages that we would get. We didn't have a lot of personal time, didn't have a lot of face-to-face time. So those messages then became one of the ways that I experienced her and knew her because we, you know, we might could FaceTime and I couldn't talk to her again for a week or so. So those written words, those written messages is how I experienced my, wife, my, my girlfriend at the time who had become my wife. And so I'd read it very carefully and very critically. It's like, she said, love, Serata. Is that the same as I love you? <laughs> or is that a different thing? What does she mean? Why does she use the winky face there and the smiley face here? What did I do wrong? Somebody tell me. But I delighted in those messages because they were from someone that I loved. I delighted in them because through them I experienced what I could not experience because we lived in different places. God's word is the same way. You will not see God until you reach the other side. No man has ever seen God and lived. Only those who walk with Jesus Christ, they experience the presence of God. But even the humanity of Jesus, in a way, shielded his deity. No one has ever seen God. The only way to know him is through his word. Which is why I've dedicated my life to studying God's word, to teaching God's word, to loving God's word. Delight in it. Meditate on it day and night. This doesn't literally mean to walk around with the scripture all the time. But you should be so absorbed in the word of God that just as you're driving, you can think about scripture. It's, it's my habit that I, I memorize scripture in the morning or I read scripture in the morning and then I meditate on it while I go run or the first couple hours of my morning. I, I don't have time just to read the Bible all the way through and I don't have time to spend two hours every day. But it's always on my mind because I love this book. Because it is the link, it is the key between the unhappy life and the happy life. Between the unblessed life and the blessed life. Because once you have God's word, you'll be 
planted by the rivers of water. You'll be positioned in the right place. You'll be productive and you'll be prosperous. Look at the difference between the unblessed person and the blessed person. The unblessed person is walking down some path that we don't know where he's going and he doesn't know where he's going. The blessed person is planted right by God's house and by God's spirit. The unblessed person is one who is blown away like the chaff, which is just here today, gone tomorrow. But, but the blessed person is, has a purpose and is producing much fruit. Look at the difference that God's word makes in your life. God's word is enough. God's word does the work. This guy named Martin Luther, you guys ever heard of him? Martin Luther, about 500 years ago, there was only one church. It was the Roman Catholic Church. And Martin Luther realized that there were some doctrinal and, and, and other issues in the Catholic Church that had really turned the church into something that was less than Christian. And through an experience with God's Word, Martin Luther decided that he was the one to do something about it. And so he daringly, at the risk of his own life, confronted the powers that be to say, you know what, you guys are believing some things that are dangerous, you're teaching some things that are dangerous, and we have to have reformation. We have to, it has to be reformed. He is, to this day, one of the most influential, maybe the most influential Christian leader since biblical times. You and I would not be here if it was not for Martin Luther making his stand. And here's what Martin Luther said. Martin Luther said, whenever looking back after the Reformation started, he said, I simply taught, studied, and preached God's word. I did nothing else. He said, I took naps and drank Wittenberg beer with my friends Philip and Nicholas. Different time. We can talk about that later. It wasn't a big deal then. I drank beer with my friends Nicholas and Philip. And did nothing else. The word of God did, according to Martin Luther, what emperors and princes could not do to the papacy. I slept and the word of God worked. (laughs) A quote from Martin Luther who said that I led the most important revival movement and I did it by just letting God's word work. Just letting God's word work. Are you letting God's word work in your life? Because it is the key. It is the link between the unblessed life and the blessed life. It is the key between a life of no purpose and no fulfillment and no joy and no peace to a life full of those things. It's right here before you. The word is set to transform you. I want to read James chapter 1 before we... Look at concluding this. James chapter 1. Looking at verse 22 through 25. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, He is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. 
In other words, the Word of God is not just for you to look into, it's to change how you look. This is how the Word changes your life from blessed to unblessed. Whenever you wake up in the morning and you look at yourself in the mirror, you aren't doing that just to look in the mirror. You're looking because there are some things about you that need to be fixed before you go out in public. (laughs) Am I the only one? You look in the mirror because you got to make sure your hair is good, that you don't have any stains on your clothes. I have an eight-month-old so that there's no, like, spit up anywhere visible. I've covered it up, deodorized it. Like, the mirror is not just to look into. You don't just look into the mirror unless you are a vain person just to admire yourself. You look into the mirror to see what about you needs to be adjusted and fixed. So what James is saying, James is saying that anyone who does not do God's word is like that person at the gym who just stares to the mirror and flexes. Anyone who does not do God's word is just like the person who can't get enough of themselves looking in the mirror. But how the word is supposed to work in your life is you're supposed to look into it and then it looks back into you. You look at the Bible, then you look at how your life is, and then you adjust yourself accordingly to the truths of Scripture. God's Word works in your life because it brings transformation. You do not read God's Word just for information, for application, but you read it for transformation. You can be a completely different person through God's Word. There was an old preacher, and a man came up to him and said, said, you know, I read the Bible through several times, and it's never done anything for me. And the preacher said, if you would let it just get through you once. (laughs) You might have been through it, but if you would just let it get through you once. This is how God's Word changes us. This is how God's Word transforms us. Because whenever we look into God's Word, we see His will for our lives, We see who He is, and it transforms us into that kind of person. I want you to notice one thing. What happens with God's Word is that before we said that sinners, they believe the wrong things, they behave the wrong way, and they become the wrong people. But something happens when we apply God's Scripture because the order is reversed. It starts with belief. We believe the word of God. But then it says, and then we will become like a tree. And because we have became like a tree, we will behave like a tree behaves by producing fruit. Because the worldly system says that if you behave one way long enough, you will become that kind of person. And then that idea has been copied and transported into religion that if you behave like a Christian, then you can become a Christian. That if you do the right things, then you can become one of us. That if you look okay on the outside, then you can become what we are. But what the Word does is it helps you become a brand new person, a brand new creation. And then once you become that, your behavior lines up with who you are. You do not have to, be, you do not have to work to be accepted. Because you are accepted, you work. That in the body of Christ, in Christianity, according to the gospel, behavior is a result of becoming. And how you become is by delighting and meditating in this word. I want to challenge you for just a little bit this morning. 
I want to challenge you to fall back in love with God's word. And you might say, I don't understand it. It's, it's too hard to read. Well, find a translation, find a version that you do understand that you do like to read. People ask me all the time, which is the best Bible translation? And I say, whichever one you'll read. <laughs> whichever one, that, it, the one that you read is much better than all the ones that you won't read. Fall back in love with God's word. And that was a little bit, that was the reason for the exercise at the beginning where I just quoted a, a portion of Ephesians to show you, you don't have to be a scholar to understand what that means. That peace you experience by hearing God's word aloud, you could have that every single day. That feeling of just like, man, that, that moment, I don't want that moment to end. I don't know about you, but whenever I was quoting it out, I just wish that I knew more so we could keep going because there was something happening in that moment, and you can have that moment every single day. That's what God's Word brings into your life. If you're looking for happiness by any other way, you won't find it. You'll be on this path to nowhere. This path that never ends. It ends one day in destruction, but that's a long way from now. In the meantime, you're just going to be wandering, searching, hoping, looking for something. When you're in high school, it's going to be, man, I can't wait. I'm going to be so happy when I get to college and get out of my parents' house. And then you're going to get to college, and man, I cannot wait. I'm going to be so happy whenever I get out of college because I hate being broke. Being broke is terrible. I don't have any money. I hate ramen noodles. I just, I want to get out of here. I'm going to be so happy whenever I get out of college and get a job. And then get a job and go, man, uh, this is not what I, this is terrible. I hate working. <laughs> Getting up early stinks. I'm going to be so happy whenever I find a wife or a husband and we have a nice family. And then you're going to get married and realize that just because they love you and you love them, they aren't enough to make you happy and they're going to have things that annoy you and that you don't like. And, and then you're going to say, man, once we have kids, we're going to be happy because every, you know, look how much joy babies bring. And then the baby cries all the time and, and she's mean. <laughs> she's cute, but like she's got an attitude already. She's only eight months. So, so whenever, whenever she gets older, we'll be happy, right? Whenever she gets out of this stage and she can go to school, and then that happiness is always just a little bit elusive. And it's always just, just one step away. You can always see it, but you never can quite catch it. You can never quite get there. It's always one step further from where you are. And when she goes to school, and then, and then so whenever she gets out of school, we finally have some time for me and her again. And we get to retire. That'll be wonderful. And then after you retire, you just think, man, I wish that I, if I was just younger again, I could be happy. <laughs> if I just had my youth back. If I could just go back. That's the path that we're taught to seek happiness. That's the path that we think blessing lies in. But you will never, ever catch happiness that way. The only genuine delight in this world is the delight of God's word. Because the delight of God's word leads you to God who is the only source of fulfillment and happiness. Two paths lay before you this morning. There's a blessed life, a happy life. And that life is discovered through this word, through loving it and living it. And there's the unhappy life. As Robert Frost eloquently put it, 
two paths, two roads. Which one do you want to continue down this morning? Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for a word that is sharper than any two-edged sword. We thank you for the power of your word and your word alone. Your word that works. Lord, whenever the centurion's son, daughter was ill, Jesus just sent his word and healing and hope was found. God, stir us up this morning to, to love your word. There is nothing more essential than the word of God because it is the voice of God in our lives. Lord, I'm just thinking back. I remember as a kid, the kind of the church that I was in, we always want a guest speaker to come in and give us a word that was personal and to us. But help us to never neglect that this is the word for all of us for all time. We don't need a word if we have the word. We don't always need a word if we have the word. Lord, thank you for those who are making the decision today to pursue a happy life by falling in love with your word all over again.